Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, today's guest is a real special treat. He is an attorney and an entrepreneur uh, who has scaled his law firm to the Inc. 5000 list two years in a row. Not only that, he's the author of the best-selling book, The Art of Preventing Stupid. So uh, we could probably all learn a lot from him. Please welcome the show, Matt Davis. Well, I learn a lot every day because that's kind of the idea but yeah thank you i'm thrilled to be here and yeah let's let's talk some shop man let's help some people man i'm excited to have you on the art of preventing stupid man what <laughs> what even is that how how do you prevent stupid in america or well you know that's that's a business book right mm-hmm. and and the idea is i mean i'm trying to be provocative um to entrepreneurs because as you know, they all think they're 13 feet tall and bulletproof, right? I mean, <laughs> it takes a certain amount of swagger to go out and start a business and go, hey, you know, I can make it, uh, particularly when, and I can't even remember what the number is, but you know, 90% or something like that, a small business has failed. It's, it's a big number. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I've practiced law for pushing 30 years, and you know, we see people get in trouble all the time. And the the secret behind the desk is most of the time you're going, gosh, guys, why why didn't you think about that? What you know, what this is most of the mistakes <laughs> people make are really stupid, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the question you tossed on the table is how can you prevent that? And the the thought I really push is look, guys, if we take a break, we pause. We do use some structured exercises to anticipate, to go, to brainstorm and go, what can go wrong? Then you can deal with it. Okay. Right. Right. I've heard those called a pre-mortem. It's like, how could this die? Yeah, I can, I can live with that. And, <laughs> and, you know, entrepreneurs are just really bad about it because, you know, they are, char- you know, they're, they're, how do you say this? Ready, fire, aim. A lot. <laughs> yeah. They're just charge ahead. And we're like, guys, you know, we're your attorneys and counselor. Let's slow down. Let's, let's, I said, and one thing we always say is the people that deal with their vulnerabilities are the ones that capitalize on their opportunities. And I think that's true. Right. And, you know, Jim Collins talks about it um, when he talks about productive paranoia and great by choice. It's let's, let's be paranoid about what can go wrong, but let's do it productively. And then let's deal with it. Yeah. And so, like, do you specialize then uh, in business law? Is that is small business? Is that your, your specialty then? or We have one big um, national client um, that I handle most of the work for. And everything else is just small business law. And, you know, I like your – Jamie was laughing about the name of your podcast, not <laughs> because it's funny, but because what I always tell people is we're the like the family doctor – of small business law, right? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So 
the audience is, you know, my audience is generally uh, entrepreneurs and people that are, are younger, not necessarily in age, but definitely in terms of business experience. So for them to get the most out of the interview, let's kind of start there with what are some of the simple mistakes that are relatively easily rectified that you see small business owners making when they first start out? Um, obviously, get your business entity formed. You know, go get a limited liability company or a corporation set up. Okay, that. Simple. There's check number one. And by the way, hey, we've got a great resource up on our website, which is davisbusinesslaw.com. Mm -hmm. That's called the Strong Protected Business Checklist. That's going to answer the question for a lot of your, those questions for a lot of your people. And I'll, I'll answer your question more directly. But what we did with that too is we looked at the things that get our, we, we brainstormed the issues that get our clients in trouble, why they come hire us, right? And then we broke it down based upon the stage of their business, whether they're, I think we did it by number of employees, one to five, five to 15, 15 to 20, and so on. Because your businesses have different needs depending on the size, right? Right, right, for sure. So, you know, if you're just starting out, I don't care about your succession plan because you don't have anything, right? So I'm not trying to be real harsh about that, but, you know, when you have a bigger business, that's when you care. You care. Okay. Okay. Back to, your, back to your question in particular. Yeah. Second thing is get an operating agreement. You can't believe how many people operating agreements can grow up with bylaws. So get your... Get your operating agreement in place, particularly, sorry about that word, if you have more than one member, more than one partner in the company. Because, you know, we just got a call right before launch. I heard Katrina take it in. Mm -hmm. And it's business partners splitting up. And the first question the attorney that went to John is going to ask is, do you have an operating agreement? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, I mean, in some states, it's virtually impossible to get a business divorce. So what are some of the consequences of a poorly written oper operating agreement that the listeners need to look out for? Well, I mean, you have to have a vehicle to be able to break up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, the judge is going to decide things. And... And that's the best case scenario. If not, you might have to even dissolve the company and just start over, which then who owns all the intellectual property? Who owns all the, I mean, it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, and by the way, if you get down to having a judge decide, I mean, that's where you start to spend all sorts of money because you get down to the courthouse fighting about stuff, man, that's, it's just so expensive. And you've got, you know, discovery, you'll end up where you're having to exchange documents, mm -hmm. you're going to have depositions. And I mean, the courthouse is just so expensive. And yeah, yeah. You, you want to avoid that at all costs, huh? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, I actually had to go to the courthouse the other day, last Friday, and I was just going, wow, haven't done this in a year. <laughs> I used to work in the courthouse. You'd never see attorneys. <laughs> They'd always send people to gather their documents for them. Yeah. You, you knew yeah, it was a bad day if the attorney showed up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was... 
So you said you've been practicing as an attorney for for thirty plus years. Was this something you always wanted to do? Have you always had a passion for the law? No, not really. <laughs> so, okay. so tell um, me, tell me about the journey. Tell me how you got into it, then. Well, I was pretty fortunate, really. Uh-huh. I was exceptionally fortunate, really. Um, I I was a honorary kid in high school, and um, and I had hair halfway down my back, and played in hard rock bands, which I, I still like to do. Oh, that's that's on my uh, that's on my notes list. We're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, but then I was I did really well in college. I loved college, and my uh, my and I was looking at graduate schools. I thought I'd be a history professor, but my dad made me an offer that I was uh, smart enough to take. And he said, "I'll listen. I'll pay for you your tuition at OU Law School, um, but if not, you're done. Go find a job." And and, and or, you know, I'm not paying for graduate school or even going to help you right. with graduate school. I mean, in a graduate school, you're probably going to get scholarships and get it paid for. And I said, okay, let's go do it. So I, I went and did law school, and I hated it because um, the law business attracts a certain amount of sociopaths. You know, there's kind of a selection bias. I mean, it just is because you get a lot of people that want to come in and use you know, their law degree just kind of terrorize humanity, right? I, and, I, I never thought of it like that, to be to be honest. Yeah, but yeah. I, I guess. It, it it completely does. I mean, I was just in Oklahoma City talking to one of my friends, and we were debriefing about it from law school, and we were debriefing about it, and she, you know, same thing. And so I, I really hated law school, um, but ultimately thought I was going to be a Washington lawyer in D.C., mm-hmm. and ended up working first for Department of Energy uh, in the, they, they, they I got hired in the uh, secretary's office, but then I, I sort of scoffed when they said in 1994, we're going to turn all of renewable, all of America to renewable energy in 10 years. I looked at them like, are you guys crazy? And they were, of course, crazy, but they sent me to the geothermal division, oh, which wow. Which was fine. I mean, I, I learned a lot and uh, got a lot of experience and um, thought I was going to stay there. Just decided not to and called my girlfriend who was in Los Angeles and said, hey, let's move back to our hometown. And here we are, 26, 27 years later and five kids. And I just got to work and figured out how to make a living practicing law. Right. So you started out by yourself, though. And, you know, I think you've kind of undersold it a little bit. I just got to work and figured out how to practice law kind of really undersells what you do, because you've, you've gone from you know a, a solo law firm now to uh, to seven different offices across multiple states. What was that like? What was that growth like? And uh, yeah, how did you come up with the vision to, to do that? Well, I. Uh... I like to say I had, and I'm kind of joking and kind of not, that I had a midlife crisis and started a law firm um, because I was literally practicing out of my house because I I had I, I had no marketing I had no I mean literally didn't have a website I wasn't mm-hmm. in the phone book because I just had a client base that kept coming back to me right and um, so I. I realized I needed to do something different because I had one client that was 40% of my business. 
And that was, you know, I didn't have a way to replace it. So I stumbled into, literally stumbled into a law firm coaching group mm-hmm. called How to Manage a Small Law Firm. And they, I met some people and they made some suggestions about, yeah, you can go grow a law firm. I've never really thought about it. And we, uh, I called my paralegal who had worked for me previously and she was over at the bank and said, hey, let's go start a law firm. And we bought this building that I'm in, which is an old house. And we just started hiring attorneys. And th- that was in Enid. Enid's my hometown where, right. where we live, small city. And then we, we just said, well, let's go to Oklahoma City. And we, I started going down there one day a week. And then we hired an attorney. And then we hired a second. And, you know, we figured out how to market legal services and you know people and i've really come to understand how um there's there's a a lot of professionals that really thrive under a a professionally managed professional service Mm -hmm. sort of business model and you know we market to those people when we're recruiting and um and our ads are pretty crazy by by legal standards because you know most attorney ads look like would you like to wear a gray suit and be a douchebag to humanity? And, you know, that's kind of what they read like. And ours is like, would you actually like to help people and have real work-life balance and love the people you work with? And by the way, we don't hire any Eeyores. And, you know, so the people that respond to my ad, I've got them. Right. I get a lot of people that are just looking for anything. But when I get the enthusiasts, that get what we're saying in our ads, they're like, that's where I want to work. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Oklahoma City and then we said, well, if we go to Oklahoma City, let's go to Tulsa and Wichita because I'm an hour and a half from both those towns. And somewhere along the way, we just said, well, let's let's go build a law firm. And we established a big BHAG. Again, a Jim Collins term of mm-hmm. let's be in 30 markets by 2030. And we just kept adding markets. So we added, um, I guess, Kansas City next. And then uh, Dallas, Austin, we're recruiting in Fort Worth. So we have Fort Worth scheduled to open in March, mm-hmm. I guess it is. Right. And then we're going to do one more market this year over Springfield, Missouri. And so we just we figured out how to grow it. So I, I've got to ask because, like, um, I, again, I, I don't think you put enough. Uh, I, I don't think you put enough gravity on the amount of work you actually did and the amount of success that you've had because there's very few people, very very few, managed to do what you've done in law. Um, what were some of the obstacles you faced in the beginning? Was there ever a time when you wondered if uh, if if you were going to make it? Uh, oh, yeah, completely. And, um, you know, you say, hey, we don't put enough gravity. I was just talking to a recruit in Texas and down in Fort Worth, and he mm-hmm. said, well, what are you? I said, well, you know, we're just a bunch of dumb Okies, and we're too <laughs> dumb to know that we can't do what we're doing, so we're just wandering around doing it. Right. And, <laughs> and um, oh, man, the obstacles are, are every day, every single day. You, you know, you learn something new. Um, you know, hiring and recruiting attorneys was a huge jump that, that we've learned. Um, 
Greg Crabtree talks about, uh, have you ever read Simple Numbers by Greg Crabtree? I have not, no. I'm a complete total fanboy. Well, I'm, um, right, I'm writing that down right now. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a fantastic book about small business growth and accounting. And um, fortunately, Greg was speaking, uh, had a speaking gig every quarter in Oklahoma City last year. Mm-hmm. So I got to take him out to dinner because I latched onto him and learned a ton just taking him out to dinner. But he talks about when you're in that, that gap from about two million in revenue, and by revenue, let's talk about revenue, get rid of the cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're in that from about 1.5 or so to $3 million, it's just painful mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you're adding all sorts of non-rev people and I, you know, I lose a lot of control and I have to delegate um, and or can only go in and spot check. And so, you know, that the and it's just it's you know we, we went into a little debt um, through that period of growth. We knew we could get out the other side of it. Mm-hmm. But I think we were maybe a quarter million in debt and, uh, you know, got that paid off in a year or two. Um but it's that's you know that's an unpleasant thing, you know. Figuring out marketing, figuring out your sales <laughs> process. Dude, well, tell us how you figured it out. Tell us how you went in and managed to figure out how to go from because you you're a guy operating out of your own house, and then you've you've got to have some marketing to bring in some some enough clients to hire more attorneys. Tell tell me how you figured it out and how you managed to engage uh, an audience that you didn't know existed. Well, we uh, we're digital. We're digital marketers, and we pay a lot of attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the little speeches I give is called "How to Manage a Digital Marketing Agency," because um, you know, digital marketing is has got this Wizard of Oz element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, I'm going to I'll get you all these leads and traffic, and I mean, you get out. They give you these Google Analytics things, and you're just like, this is complete crap. It's completely unintelligible. And, um, you know, we are real serious about tracking our leads mm-hmm. and tracking, you know, tracking first total leads, quality leads. And, and you know, a lot of people talk about it as a funnel. Uh, right. And which I suppose makes some sense, but, um, you know, quality leads or total leads down to quality leads and then closes and you know the closes from quality to close is really the sales process and by the way the sales process is different than the marketing process i don't know why people try and lump them together i'm like guys they're completely different processes shut up just quit joking around about it yes and um yes and so you know, we, we pay a lot of attention on what works, and, and we, we run a tracker. It's just an Excel spreadsheet going, okay, this is what we're doing. And, you know, we hold our digital marketing people to goals. I'm like, if I'm going to hire you, this is what I expect. And, you know, we've had some of them perform with them. We've had them drop off. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know, this is, you know, we need these leads. This is This is how we keep the business. And you're not going to perform. We're going to go find somebody else that can. The uh, the average digital marketing agency contract is under seven weeks. 
Um, that's that's the churn rate on digital marketing agencies. There's a lot of people out there figured out how to uh, market digital marketing agencies, but haven't actually figured out how to do the work uh, behind that and sending leads and driving traffic and stuff. You know, yeah, I I am I, you know I I, I did that speech here for a, a smaller part of the EO group in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Wow, we had never thought about this." I'm like. Yeah, and that's why you are terrified of using digital marketing because, you know, it's it just if you don't measure it, if you don't monitor it, you're just wasting your money. And and so we're real hardcore about that. Um, you know, sales. Let's talk about sales. Sales yeah, is, is an interesting um, deal. And, you know, we use are you acquainted with the story brand process? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but go go ahead and explain it because I, I know there's a few uh, there's going to be a yeah. lot of listeners that don't. Yeah, Story Brand is a guy named Donald Miller wrote the book. Um, easy read, great read, and his seminar is really good too. And the idea is that the your your lead, your you know potential client or customer, is the hero in their own story, and you have to remember that. And by the way, lawyers are horrible about that. <laughs> because they want to, you know, they want to talk about how great they are. But you listen first. You listen. You mm-hmm. get the story. You get where they are, and ultimately, you got to realize your job is to help them get to another place. What they're paying you for is the movement from a bad place to a better place. So you have to show them how you can get them there. So first thing, you listen. You take that in. Two, you size it up. You talk about the external problem. The, which is what it looks like, internal problem, how it makes them feel. Three, the philosophical problem. Great part of philosophical is it's great. It doesn't have to be this way. And then you, with empathy and authority, you establish yourself as the guide. Okay. And so, you know, that's, hey, we know how to do this. Bang, this is what we do every day. And then um, come up with a plan. One, two, three. And that's critical to just come up with a simple action plan. Mm-hmm. And I was up in Wichita with one of our attorneys and he was having a real hard time closing leads. And I, I sat down with him during a deal and he would get to the simple plan and he would go, now we're going at this point, we're going to have to go file a motion for contribution and a bunch of big five letter words that hell I had to think about from, I'm like, and finally I took over. And I'm like, now this is what we're going to do. One, two, three, bang. And the client's like, you know, potential client's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, 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 and also in our business, particularly if it's a combative case, show a little pugnacity, show them you're ready to go kick somebody's behind or at least get in their face. If they need it. <laughs> right. Right. And, okay. So, you know, you come up with a plan, say, this is what, and then, Hey, Let's get after it. Let's let's get us hired. If you do that, here's success. Here's failure. That's story brand in a nutshell. And it works. And, you know, we teach our attorneys that because, I mean, I just had a, hired a new attorney in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. and he had never sold clients before, never talked to them. And, you know, look, it's it's sales. And a lot of professionals are like, oh, I don't want to be in sales. I'm like, well, then. Don't be in business. Don't right? be in business. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen businesses fail repeatedly because I don't want to be in sales get said over and over and over when people fail to realize it's all sales. 
Well, and you're teaching them how you can take them from the bad place to the good place, mm -hmm. which is what all professional services are about. And, you know, and, and, but a lot of professionals get uppity about themselves. And I'm like, look, guys, at the end of the day, we're just plumbers pushing paper, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, it's, it's like a doctor. If, you know, if I got a lump on my head or I had a lump on my back last year, and I'm like, okay, doc, get me from, point a to having that gone that's your job yep. at the end of the day you're just like my plumber or my air conditioner repairman and get over yourself right so um you know just understanding sales and being realistic about it and and you know tracking it we track it with all of our attorneys we know who's good we know who's bad um how do you how do you help a, a bad attorney get his numbers up and, and become more confident in his closing ability. Because, you know, I see entrepreneurs really struggling. They, they, they can talk to people all day about their product, but they really struggle to, to close. And I would imagine you've overcome that obstacle with your, uh, your, your attorneys there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have um, a couple, there's, there's some nuances to when I talk about our attorneys doing a poorly closing. Um, some of them do poorly, you know, if, if they're doing poorly and they're not busy, mm -hmm. I'll sit down with them and, and, and I'll go meet with them. I'll go meet with some, some leads with them and we'll, you know, we'll work through the story brand and the guy up in Wichita, we turned him into one of our best closers, mm -hmm. right? right? Because, you know, and, and it, you're just showing these people how you can help them. And communicating in a normal way. Now, um, this is an odd situation with us. Okay. Or maybe it's counterintuitive. Um, we have one of our really great, one of our best, you know, longstanding just avatar attorney with our, for lack of a better word, um, was not closing very well. Mm -hmm. And um, Andy wasn't taking many leads. And, um, or, well, I could say that about any, any of our attorneys are, our, our attorneys that are really busy, right? You know, that have been with us a while, have an established book of business or have lots going on. They close really poorly. And the reason they close really poorly is because they're not hungry and the potential client can hear it in their voice. Hmm. It's just, you know, it's just, a. Uh, you know, they're just that, you know, they just don't have it. And it's, you know, it's a certain amount of, you know, just appetite for taking on that new client that they can feel. And um, and so we watch that because mm -hmm. and sadly, and it's it, it's really a lagging indicator, which is bad for us. I wish we had a leading one. Um but it's it's really a lagging indicator for us of when we need to go hire another attorney in that market. Because, you know, if 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 you know we we can watch revenue and that's that that tells us something. But you know, if if I'm in Kansas City and our attorney up there is is closing rates or declining, I'm going well. It's just because he's too hungry. He's not hungry enough, and he's not hungry enough because he's too busy. And so it's it's a counterintuitive point, but it's something we've really picked up on. So how can you help your attorneys adjust their thermostats a little bit and increase their appetite, maybe? 
Mm. Well, now we, you know, if they're busy, they're busy. Um, you know, now what we do is we, you know, we run scaling up and um, which is, you know, burn harnishes program. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm a complete devotee of it. I also read traction, which is, is very similar. Right. right. Um, but I, for about the last, I've read scaling up numerous times. I guess the, the short answer to your question before I get off on that <laughs> is we, you know, we do morning huddles. Right. And so we'll have, you know, seven offices in a morning huddle. And, you know, we, you know, anybody need work, anybody need to hand off work and so on. So, you know, we, we work very collaboratively and that's, that's one way we, as, as you say, adjust their thermostat. Right, right. Because, like, if if they're comfortable with what they're earning, it's it's kind of hard to make them go any faster, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So I want to ask now, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of our listeners are, are younger or uh, certainly younger in, in business than we are. If you could reach back a few years to when you were first starting out and starting to grow, uh, if you could reach back a few years and give yourself a piece of advice then, uh, what would you like to go and tell yourself? Mm, wow. I, you know, I would have figured out how to track leads and closes early on. Mm -hmm. um, that's something we've gotten better at um, over the years. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, you know, if, yeah, that's it. Um, and you know, the, the other thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly learning. I mean, if, if you are growing a business, it's, and, and you are not, this is going to sound counterintuitive too. If you're growing a business and you're not, and you don't have this thought in your brain, at least every week or so, here's the thought. I can't believe how stupid I was two weeks ago. <laughs> and, and that's from Swim with the Sharks without getting eaten alive, one of my favorites. If you don't have that thought in your brain, mm -hmm. you're not doing enough wandering around in your business figuring out what's broken. Because as you're growing, the wheels are coming off all the time. And if, if you don't wander around, you know, we have a saying here that my mom taught me, which is the... The best fertilizer is the farmer's footsteps. And the point of that is, mm -hmm. you know, it's management while wandering around. You got to get out. You just got to go see what's going on with everybody in the company, with all the divisions and, 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 and figure that out. So, I mean, I get that question from time to time of let's go back. And I want to go, man, I could tell you stuff I did wrong two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I just got into our online web submissions and I didn't realize how many we were getting. And um, so I just took over the management of that kind of for short term. And um, wow, you know, and, you know, then today I was down. And I guess what? I mean, I'm like the highest closer of the firm this month or, or right up there. And I don't really do leads because I'm, I'm out running the company, but right. I, mean, I, 
I'm I'm a monster on that. Everybody was like, dang. And um, and you know, today I was just down looking at our um like case closing procedure. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we're real big on much much more so than most law firms on really trying to help people t- and teach them how to look at their business in a holistic way. That's what the book's about mm-hmm. and how to prevent mistakes, how to, as I say, deal with those vulnerabilities. And so, you know, our closing on cases is a really good time for me to assess that, to talk to people, to talk to clients about, hey, this is what else we can do for mm-hmm. you whether you want to call it an upsell or a continued sell. And, you know, I was looking at some of our stuff today. I was like, this is crap. And, um, you know, so you it's farmer's footsteps, right? You get around, you just keep massaging, you just keep fertilizing, you just keep fixing things. And then by the time you get to one side of the field, you've got to walk all the way back to the beginning and start fixing the stuff you left there two years ago while you're fi- yeah, goes, <laughs> and, you know, but that's that's okay. You know that's what? How, that, yeah, that's job security, right? That I, means I love it. I love it because by the time you get back to the beginning, you, you're you're scaling. You're doing bigger stuff at the other end of the field. You know, so yeah, I just you know you come in and you say I did this, I did this, I did this, and then now I've got all these offices. But uh, man, you really really didn't underline the amount of work it took to get there, man. You. Oh, were. <laughs> no, I mean, I, went from being a you know a, 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 I'm a lawyer's lawyer I mean I can I can hold my own you know pretty much wherever I want to go and but you know I had but you know knowing all that knowing it, it helped me go okay this is maybe this is what I should have said when you asked me um, what to do, you know, what I wish I'd done mm-hmm. differently. Or maybe this is just the big advice, which is figure out what's wrong with your industry and do it differently. Yeah, I like that. And so, you know, I just redid our uh, uh, scaling up has this document called Seven Strata. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we work with business coaches and they're always. And I don't mean to detract from them, but they're always like, okay, you know, what's your market strategy and so on. And I just redid it all this fall. And I'm like, you know, market strategy is one thing, but I'm more concerned about my internal strategy for how do I take care of my attorneys? Mm-hmm. I are, you know, really are attorneys. Right, online. right, and, right. And, you know, how do, you know, how do we take care of our people, you know, the, the staff? And um, because there's a lot wrong with that in the law business. And, you know, we just, man, I'll tell you, you know, like with attorneys, that these firms will just take them and work them to death and then spit them out. And they, they don't take great care of them. And, why why you know, do you crazy. think that is? Because I hear that. I've, I've got friends that are attorneys, obviously, and I, I hear they've been through uh, you know, quite the crucible um, to get to where it's, it's a comfortable position for them. Why, why do you think that is in the industry? Most law firms are run like crap, and they're, they're run like fraternities. This old model of, oh, you know, you come work eight years for us, and then we'll make you a partner. And then, you know, even if you're a partner, it's management by committee. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody's making any smart decisions. They're just kind of run like a fraternity house is or something. Or, and, you know, there's there's exceptions to that. But, um, you know, when I did first start out, before I went out on my own, I was a member of a firm. I hated it. I hated it. And, um, and I learned a lot about how not to do things. But, and, you know, you know we, we took one of our lawyers, she was with one of the insurance defense firms in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we've got three of them that fit exactly into this mold, just hired the same, same sort of deal in Kansas City. You know, they're working them 12 hours a day and uh, making a bill nine, nine and a half, 10 hours a day. It's not really fair. Yeah. No. And, you know, I remember, you know, with, with, you know, with Dixie, I said, look, our billing quota is six hours a day Mm -hmm. and I'll match their salary. And she was like, well, this is not hard. You know, I can figure this. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, when you figure out how to take what's wrong with your industry and, and then, you know, when you're, doing this partnership thing, it also just exacerbates the the competition between people. And we work collaboratively. I mean, it's like, let's work together. You know, our, our fourth right. core value is teamwork equals dream work. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have to sometimes remind them also, let's play nice with the staff and cooperate with them. And um, it's that's pointed today because a couple, we didn't, we had one attorney didn't get his time in. And my billing team is losing their mind right now. <laughs> I remember that from back in the day. I used to do uh, oil and gas law. And, uh, man, if you didn't have your billing turned in on time, you was in trouble. Matt, I've had enough talking about business with you for right now, sir. I want to talk about rock and roll. Tell, oh, me, yeah. tell me a little bit about your real passion and about your career in music. Talk me through that, please. Well... I, I wouldn't call it a career yet, but my <laughs> wife did ask me. She said, you're really serious about this new geriatric steel band you're putting together. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Did, said, did, you, yeah did you Google geriatric steel before you named your band that? Um, no. <laughs> no, we just made it up. The- I hate, I hate to break this to you. The, the top result on Google for geriatric steel is is uh, it's like a bedpan. Uh, oh, that's okay. That's I, okay. But, no, I I was thinking like heavy metal rocking old dudes. So I googled it looking for you. So um, the, yeah. the the great news is with with your marketing brain, a little SEO, you can very quickly be the top of that. So please tell me about the band, dude. Yeah, so um, we we had a farm retreat here a couple of years ago. I got to attribute some of it to my son. And we do, by the way, we do farm retreats every six months. We take everybody and their spouses, and that's those are kind of legendary events. Right. And at um, one, we had a band play, and then they stopped, and we had it all worked out. And then our banner came down and said, Geriatric Steel. And so we all came out, and I got a bunch of my buddies from childhood together that we've played together just over our lives and got out in our spandex and black leather and started playing like Breaking the Law, and I Fought the Law. And I got several of the attorneys in on the gig, and they were singing the law, right? They were the lead singer. 
<laughs> and um, Living After Midnight, stuff like that. Some Judas Priest and um, can't remember what all, but it was fun. And and the best part was my 17-year-old daughter was just like. <laughs> and and then, you know, the, the, not just because they work for me, but the, some of the attorneys were like, dang, you guys were pretty good. I said, well, we ought to be. We've been playing for 35, 40 years. You know, we know mm-hmm. our way around the fretboard. And um, and my son goes, why don't you start writing hard rock for like old guys? And I said, wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you, know, I think when, you might be onto something here. You, yeah. Well, no, because you know, when you're a kid, it's like you know, what are you talking about? Chasing girls and drinking beer and cars. You know, Rebe- rebelling. There's, yeah. There's so your, wait, you know, wait, hold on. You mean you don't chase girls or drink beer or race cars anymore? I did quit What's drinking beer finally, and um, and but you know I guess the point is I just finally decided after forty years I need to cool it. Mm. But um, you know it's like as an adult there's so much more to talk about, and and you know it's like okay so you know it's we've got one song called Get Off My Lawn which is you know, <laughs> just like, get off my lawn you know, one of them's called. Um, in a burning like 17, we're just working that up. And, you know, that's about let's keep the energy, let's keep the passion alive about, you know, getting old. Because, you know, you know people that, you know, I've got a 90-year-old uncle who's just hell on wheels. I mean, he's crazier than he was when he was 17. That's probably probably because he he can see the finish line and he's he's trying to go out with an empty tank. Yeah, That's what I'd be. He's like, Look at my hot 92-year-old girlfriend. And, you know, she's a pretty lady, and they're mm-hmm. having fun. He, you know, COVID came around. He's like, hell, I'm not getting a shot. If it kills me, what do I care at this point? <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I want to interview him. We should bring him on as a guest one time. <laughs> he's hilarious. He's, yeah. Man. He's so, you know, we're working up these songs. And um, our website, it should be discoverable now. Emma, the one who was just in here with me just finished it the other day and uh, nothing special right now we're getting ready to go in the studio over in tulsa and record the first four songs and then we'll do another four dude that's awesome you got to get that out on spotify so we can all hear it yeah that's that's the plan and you know i told my wife i said listen my goal is i want to play walking which is the world's largest heavy metal festival just up there in northern germany that's that's my goal no kidding well, yeah, put that on your list and speak it out loud and go and be a rock star, dude. Yeah, and you know, I just, I, I, yeah, why not? I mean, why not? Indeed, like, why not? Like, amen. Like, I'm all for that, dude. Like, for real. I think, uh, I think it'd be great, and I would love to hear the, uh, I'd love to hear the, the tracks when they drop. I mean, I know there's going to be a couple of months between this show. Uh, being aired, uh, recording. So if if they're done, yeah, dude, slide them over, and I'll I'll add one to the end of the show, man. I think it'd be great. Yeah, well, uh, we should have them done. I got, I'm gonna call the producer tomorrow. I think I would call my old person song "Why Do My Knees Pop." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. And uh, what else did we write? I wrote one called "Teenage Daughter," which is you know, was, and one. Left on the lights, you know, and these just like themselves. <laughs> when, when you got a place of your own, I'm going to come trash yours, right? <laughs> I'll come leave dishes in. I'll come leave dishes in in, in your living room. Yeah, yeah. It's it's 
They just write themselves. Man, I, I think I think you're onto something. I really do. Cause, um, well, I'm tired of listening to the same 200 songs they've been playing on the radio forever. I mean, yeah, yeah. If I, I hear "Carry On My Wayward Son" one more time, I'm about to put a pencil through my ear. I yeah yeah it does that. Yeah, as good as like was it Kansas as as good yeah. as as good as they were it's just like yeah I, I get it man I I get it yeah. like and then Green Day comes on the classic rock radio and I'm there thinking that this is this is not how is this <laughs> what didn't this just come out and you look and like it was almost thirty years ago since Green Day's debut album it's like yeah uh, when did that happen so anyway um. I am really, really grateful that um, you've come on my show today and that not only have you talked to us about the law firm, but that actually you're getting to approach living your dreams and going to go do this uh, rock festival in Germany and make it a reality. Uh, before I let you go, Matt, give me one thing that you're grateful for today. Oh, man, I'm really grateful for our team. Um, you know, we've just assembled a fantastic group of people that are are great to work with make it just really wonder, wonderful to come to work and um it's it's fun you know growing a business is is a, is a challenge but when you get to work with people you like and when you build a culture of, and and attract those people that you like it's it's just fun amen man i'm glad you're having fun and uh, i'm very glad you came on the show now my last question before i let you go matt is where can the listeners who've enjoyed you today where can they find you on the internet follow along with what you do and uh maybe even get a little bit of update on the band geriatric steel yeah yeah um best spot is just davisbusinesslaw.com we've got, we've got some great resources on there mm -hmm. and check out the book um really good introduction to how to start brainstorming and Next book's coming out hopefully this year. That's the strong protected business, less provocative title, but taking <laughs> yeah. it all to the next next level, man. You know, because that's you know our first core value is let's believe and protect their dream because that's and that's for our people that work for us and our clients, and that's what we want to do. Matt, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and, uh, and sharing your time with us. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Guys, that was Matt Davis. And if you've enjoyed the show, please go and check out his links. We'll put them in the show notes for you all. Um, man, that's it from me today. That was a great interview. I'm going to jump off here and, uh, and chat with Matt a little bit about music behind the scenes. So uh, while I do that, you'll be good. Stay safe. Do me a favor. Leave us a review. And uh, I'll see you all Friday. Be good. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week.